0: Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network.
1: Looking to expand or move your company? Look no further than Ohio. With a talented workforce for in-demand industries like tech, healthcare, engineering, manufacturing, and more, you can staff up and scale for growth. Ohio's central location and reliable infrastructure will help you impress your customers. While Ohio's affordable cost of living and quality of life will excite your employees. Why survive somewhere else when your business can thrive in Ohio? Visit successinohio.com today. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike?
2: This is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, the music collector's magazine since 1974, and welcome back to the Goldmine Podcast. What you heard was an early 80s new wave band called Times Beach, a recording called Cool that is a tip of the hat to the musical West Side Story. Times Beach was a San Francisco band that came together in 1983 a group of friends that originated from the local theater community there. They had a knack for stage glamour and flair, which explains their tribute to West Side Story, I guess. They had a new wave sound, too, in this post-punk era. In fact, besides hearing elements of The Police and U2 and Roxy Music, you can hear, at least to me, sounds familiar to a more contemporary band like Vampire's Weekend. Uh, Times Beach worked up a dedicated following performing around the Bay Area at that time, and and then they went into the studio to record what is now known as the Snakefinger Sessions because Brit musician Phil Littman, who performed on the stage name Snakefinger, produced it. And the band, mostly made up of um, Mariana Trench on vocals, Dave Legrand on vocals and rhythm guitar, and Mickey Mole on bass, did get some major label attention from it but they split up before that and the sessions never made it to album format now steven braitman an accredited senior appraiser for all music formats of memorabilia who is at musicappraisals.com managed the band back in the day before they split up and almost 40 years later steven has now pressed the band's studio sessions and songs recorded live onto vinyl and what you have is a new vinyl release called step in time the legendary snake finger sessions 1983 to 84. if you go to timesbeach1.bandcamp.com backslash releases you can hear snippets of the band or from the album that is and order the vinyl If you like what you hear. In this episode of the Goldmine Podcast, we will talk to Stephen Brakeman and ask him why it took so long to release this on vinyl or in album form. And of course, he'll detail a lot more about the band itself. It's worth listening to, especially if you're into the early 80s rock sound. And because Times Beach were, due to their traditional theatrical background, a unique band as well so we'll be right back with Stephen Bratman after these messages how are you doing Stephen?
0: oh life is very complicated and very interesting definitely
2: well this this is great how you've done this for the san francisco band yes um maybe we could begin about you how you sure. met them all
0: right
2: and how why you decided after all these years to do to uh, release the music now, um, why on vinyl? I mean, I know why, but maybe you can explain. Because <laughs> you're in a vinyl enthusiast.
0: Yeah, now, you know, the, yeah, I, we've got some amusing things. But I sent copies of the vinyl album to the band members, and they couldn't listen to it because none of them had turntables anymore. That's
2: funny. <laughs> But it sounds good on vinyl. And one of the things that I was surprised that side two uh is live and you did did you tape that on your a small cassette recorder?
0: Is that yes, correct? the little the little rectangle portable Sony. Cassette recorder.
2: Because it came out really well. I was surprised. Well,
0: it, it, a combination of, of that, but also the way Alec uh, did his magic in the studio. Alec Palau was very, very helpful in taking the master tapes, the original cassettes, etc., and just working them uh, to get, ex- extrude as much sound as you could get from them. Definitely. But you it had
2: to notice that, wow, this came out pretty good after taping it. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of times... Um, Tapes like that don't get because of the crowd noise, mostly the person yeah. standing next to you talking or shouting or whatever. Um, it works here, you know. Not that I was very surprised, but pleasantly, uh, I guess a little surprised. There are some great tunes on there too. On the live version, I guess those are songs that Times Beach was working on, um, in case they were going to do another album or something is that correct
0: well all of the songs were part of the regular set and they constantly were working and writing songs you know at the at the point in time we did the um the studio recording they just picked you know the ones that they had finished that they most wanted to, to showcase okay. and uh you know there was a, a probably about a year or so after the actual recording sessions that they were still a, an active band and continued to write and i continued to hold up my little cassette recorder at the shows, you
2: know? Well, I really enjoyed Ed Frantic's guitar sound. Um, It really was, I mean, talk about the music of the times. Um, It had a sort of Andy Summers edge kind of sound to it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm, I pointed mm -hmm. out a few songs like Red Sky and Fall that had that U2 energy about it. Now this is U2 when they were um you know, they didn't even hit their high yet. It was like 83, right? So mm-hmm. you know, they were right in there with the sound. I mean, they yeah. could have easily if they got the right A&R guy, they could have been sa- you know, signed. Um now you said the band splintered. Was there a reason for that? Was there
0: you know, um, some of the members came and went, you know, uh, Buddy Price, the original drummer left. And when they decided they needed uh, a little more uh, sophistication in the studio, we got Debbie Lane, um, Ed Frantic uh, kind of left after the recordings. And we got a couple of other oh, guitarists and bass player and, you know, uh, but it was always the key of uh, Steve Legrand and Mariana Trench, the, the two lead singers and, and Steve, the the rhythm guitar, they were the principal songwriters. Right. Uh, Ed Franick wrote some of their best songs. Uh, I think um, uh, "Fugitive" is just is a great song, really it classic. Is. I'd love to hear it sung by by someone else, even today. Um, but you know how it is. You're not making any money. You know, you, you get twelve dollars for a gig, or you know, you got to pull teeth uh, in, in. Right. To, to get any kind of showcase. And um, it, you know, I also, I take responsibility. I wasn't the best manager in the world. I, I would have loved to get them on a tour bring them down to LA for a showcase. And, you know, just things just didn't work out at the time.
2: Now you thought that there was, because they weren't based in LA, they were based in San Francisco. You thought that was a sort of, you called, called it a hometown curse.
0: Yes. Um, yes. I think there's a big prejudice. I mean, um, yeah, you know, obviously there were big San Francisco bands at the time, you know, Contractions, Dead Kennedys, uh, you name it from that late '70s or early '80s. But generally, if you were not getting, you know, all the press and publicity, uh, if you weren't hip enough to come from New York or LA or right. London, then you know you're just a local band. Who wants? Who cares about a local band? You know, and that that happened for many, many other bands you know better and worse than times beach you
2: know i mean at at that time
0: yeah i think yeah.
2: like for instance green day kind of opened the door again for that area um but they had to play for a while and um but yeah you're right you have to be at the right place at the right time a lot of in music history mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. like right now you know in the late 70s new york city was the place to be it's it's sort of like uh for me at least it feels like a dead zone now So, unless you're in brooklyn um but so yeah i can definitely understand that and another thing i wanted to ask about the band because i wasn't familiar with them was the you said they came out of a a vibrant theater community so they were were they performers and acting
0: Yes. yes they were they were they were um uh Four of the five, uh, not the drummer buddy, but the other other members, um, they all were at various levels involved with the San Francisco theater scene, Eureka Theater, Berkeley Rep, uh, a lot of the independent wow. theaters. Um, and when you know, I, I didn't know really any of them until I, I saw them on stage and saw this band and then got to know them and realized that I had seen several of them in various plays over the period of time before leading to that. So yeah, I think that uh, that added a certain element to their stage presence and their ability to perform.
2: Did they have that sort of do you have a videotape of their performances as a band? Do I do have it, a yeah, couple
0: of, again, pretty crude videos. Um, I have one that that I'm going to try and clean up that uh, a, a whole show of them at uh, Berkeley square. Mm. That's, that's pretty exciting. You know, um, I have a couple other ones that are, are, are lesser video quality. Those, the, you know, that are just interesting. I don't know if they're got any commercial potential as videos, but yeah, there, there are some images I could use and, put out oh, there. they were
2: they were theatrical on stage um mm-hmm. theatrical in the sense of peter gabriel and genesis or theatrical just uh with their banter and uh you know two singers is often theatrical as it is um maybe you can explain a little better for those who don't know
0: well uh, definitely they had the personality uh steve and mariana were or kind of alter egos uh, to each other. And um, she's a very, very uh, sarcastic, satirical person on stage. Some of that is captured with some of the comments I got there on on the live stuff. Um, uh, But a lot of their songs are really well coordinated in terms of the movement, stage moves, like when they did the West Side Story is cool, or when yes. they would do um, Taking Orders, which is a full military thing. When uh, uh, Mariana did uh, I Want to Be the President's Wife, she had a big American flag. She wrapped herself up and did this kind of like very balletic moves too, you know. So I was going to ask
2: was... about the West Side Story connection there. I was yeah. But it yeah. makes sense since they, they were in theater. Um <laughs> <laughs> they could sing i mean that's pretty good um did they go on after the band broke up where did a lot of the members did they go back to acting did they music again or
0: uh, they did a little bit of acting but actually steve um partnered with eric drew feldman who many of your your listeners will know from captain beefheart and mm-hmm. Pere ubu and many of his stellar uh, career accomplishments he and uh, eric uh formed a music production company for theaters
2: hmm.
0: and they would create music for play productions.
2: Wow, that's pretty
0: cool. Right, and they did that for, for several years and had a lot of local successes. I, I think they might've done some stuff in LA, even New York, but but uh, where they are today, uh, well, Eric is still a musician and, and well-known. Um, Steve Legrand is a professor of music in Savannah, Georgia. That's where he is located these days.
2: Ah, yeah. Now, so where did the artwork come from? I like the artwork. Um, it kind of shows like a, that evolution theme. And in the middle, you have like this guy who was sort of new wave looking. Where did where did the artwork come? Was it was it an art? Was it a cover that they were thinking of putting out back then?
0: Well, we actually had a cover art designed. Uh, uh, for the original album back in the 80s, but I couldn't find it when I wanted to produce this record. So I hired a couple of graphic designers uh, and they came up with this concept and we talked about the band and it, what it meant. So th- there was a concept of two two things we're working on. It, but there's it this step in time, the evolution of it, but also they wanted an 80s retro look about it. So that was their concept of a retro 80s album cover look.
2: it did did come out that way, but um, even better with a little bit of a concept of the evolution
0: thing. Sure. Uh,
2: Now what, (laughs) so were they close to getting signed then? You said they had an album cover in mind.
0: Well, we we were going to produce it. I had a a small record label at the time called Amorous Records.
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: And I had uh, uh, Silhouette and House of Pants releases on on that label. So it was going to be another Amherst Records release. Yeah. Um, but no one had any money. <laughs> so right. And, and the band again was splintering uh, in certain ways. So it just didn't happen. But if you'll notice, this is now on Amherst Records, this release. So I've continued the, the discography for that record label. Right.
2: <laughs> Are you thinking of reissuing some of the other bands?
0: Well, we definitely could do that. Um, uh, The uh, band uh, Silhouette, which was Mike Melinda's band, Mike Melinda well known to people as a longtime editor of Guitar Player magazine after Silhouette broke up. I have a lot of recordings by the band live and in the studio by Silhouette. So there's definitely uh, some material there we could release that I think would be still pretty exciting. And House of Pants, uh, we came out with two 12-inch EPs. We could put those together with a full album and several really exciting live tracks. Uh, Definitely, that can happen.
2: Because as as you know, that's in now to hear, you know, bands of the past, especially bands that never made it. Um, And putting that on vinyl and kind of they're into the exclusive thing now where you print up another batch of 500 on colored vinyl and it becomes purely collectible. And uh, what's your take on that? I like it personally as a collector, but.
0: Well, I, I you know, I wanted to obviously first honor the legacy of the band. I felt yeah. all these years that I needed to do something finally, to, because yeah. as you, you know, as you've just said, the the retrospective look at yes. music from the seventies and eighties is is happening now. And there's a lot of bands from that era that are uh, increasing their prestige level, you know, and collectible level, a lot of interest in bands that fell by the wayside. And I wanted Times Beast to be recognized as part of that scene in which they were. And there's almost no presence. There's almost no presence of them anywhere. And so I wanted to do that. Um, As the beginning of this process, I have you know, dozens and dozens of cassette tapes. And what I got myself a scam unit. And over the last few years, I've been like transferring all these cassettes to CD and listening to all this stuff and realizing, you know, someone else needs to hear this rather than just me. So finally, I got enough money to put it out, you know. And this is kind of my gift to the band in one sense. That's why I wanted to make it kind of a boutique thing. We did 150 black vinyl albums and then only 100 white vinyl numbered edition so there's only total 250 vinyl albums out there i didn't want any cds yet or digital or downloadable or anything version yet i wanted to keep it pristine in terms of what would be available in the marketplace
2: right i used the word yet yeah well um... you know
0: that there's there's increasing pressure you know i have the record listed on bandcamp and bandcamp you know. insists that you have a digital download right so if you go to the bandcamp listing for times beach you'll see that you know there's there's the lp that you're able to buy and it right. says you can buy the digital download version of it but i've written in there no digital download so it's not active but i had to give it a place yeah because <laughs> 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 you know,
2: know
0: I'm, I'm sorry, sure after
2: you sell the vinyl, if you don't repress it, you got to make a CD or...
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, actually, I'm thinking I should do a promo CD just of cool and, and yeah. come out coinciding with the new, the new West Side version. West so Side Story think, movie. I'm still
2: thinking like a manager. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, well, it's really, there's very few places where you can sell a vinyl LP now. You know, I've got it on Bandcamp. I've got it on Discogs. Uh, I tried a few local record stores in San Francisco, and now here I live in North Carolina. And Like, it's very difficult. You got to walk it by hand to various places to say, hey, can you take a few copies of the record? Otherwise, there's very few places to distribute it.
2: Well, maybe we could put it in the gold mine store.
0: Yeah, it'd be great. Sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, the final gig... In 1984, I mean, were you at that? Um, Did they know that something was going on where they weren't going to? Yes,
0: yes, uh, they did. In fact, um, that was kind of like an add on gig at the Mabui Gardens because the actual last gig that we thought was going to be the last gig was my Amorous Records pool party at the Oasis. Nice. If you remember the Oasis Club, South of Market, uh, it was a really cool venue that had a stage and an area to gather, and then a big pool because it was an old uh, hotel, room, yeah. a motel, right? Um, and so all three of my bands played there: uh, Silhouette, Mike Melinda Silhouette, and House of Pants, and Times Beach. And they, at that gig, you know, they were trying out some new kind of progressive rock things with a, with a new guitarist and and a bass player, and and they kind of knew that things were splintering apart, and. After that gig, we we kind of knew it was the last show. But uh, a week or two later, they realized, oh, they are they had this commitment to play the Mab, so that was the last show.
2: Oh, there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a great show, you know. <laughs> so,
2: do you still? Um, lastly, do you still keep in touch with everyone except, you know, besides Steve? Um,
0: no, Steve is the one I I'm, I'm really in touch with. Yeah, because because we both now live in the south.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, how about, how about the other people in the band? Do you still, does he keep in touch with them? Does he? He hasn't,
0: you know, I have, um, I have had uh, some communication with them. When, uh, when uh, Mickey Mole, Jerry Carnelia, the uh, original bass player died a few years ago, um, we had a reunion of the band. We had uh, all three, you know, the three of the principals, the guitarist, the, and the two lead vocals, Steve Mariana, and, and um, uh, the guitarist they played at his you know going away party as it yeah. were and it was a really really sweet moment and that gave me some extra impetus to try to get this project together um so mariana trench uh is a longtime uh, major domo at the exploratorium in san francisco she's mm. she works at this science museum and uh has done that for many years and um eric is a real estate guy down in Santa Cruz. Hmm.
2: So. Do, do, so they must love this as well. They must love this uh new album coming out and recognition. I mean, they must, right?
0: Well, the way the way I did it was I didn't tell them that this was happening at all. <laughs> so when I find when I got the vinyl, I put them in boxes and mailed it to <laughs> when i want to talk to them after they said they were totally shocked and flummoxed by it but they didn't have turntables so they haven't been a- hadn't been able to listen to it you know <laughs> their own recordings you know at the last time i talked to them i think by now they have so it's time great. to get back together that's
2: a great story man <laughs> well As thank said, you so, so much
0: no problem thank, thank you very much appreciate all right, it man we'll be in touch all right good day Okay, take care,
2: man. Thank you, Stephen. For those interested, you can go to timesbeach1.bandcamp.com backslash releases. That's T-I-M-E-S-B-E-A-C-H-1.bandcamp.com backslash releases. You can hear snippets of the band there and get the vinyl. Well, we'll catch you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. And in the meantime, go to goldminemag.com for exclusive content. You can shop at our store, shop.goldminemag.com, for collectibles and unique vinyl. And you get to get the print edition at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million Stores. So thank you for now, and hope you enjoyed Times Beach, and pick up the album. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine. We'll see you next time on the Goldmine Podcast.
1: Go, crazy, cool, go. percent of households that start the year with peloton are still active a year later 92 percent because of a bike not just bikes we also make treadmills and roars oh let me guess for elite athletes only